I want to offer a special thank you to Sarah DeAngelis for reading the Scripture to us, for the kids who came and sang such clear Christmas songs, reminding us of really what this is all about, for the leadership in the children's ministry who, uh, who've led that and prepared them uh, over weeks of time for uh, today to come before you. A special thanks to the congregation for your singing of Christmas carols and uh, even for the special music. I've got to be honest, with everything happening today, there was a little unsettledness in my spirit as I came here this morning, wondering uh, what to expect and what would people say and what would they do and where are we going from here? I don't know about you, there was something centering about all of that this morning that kind of moved the clutter out of the way and reminded us why we're really here, to celebrate Christ. I want to take just a few minutes this morning to remind you of things from the Scripture, be based on Luke 2 and a number of other passages of Scripture, a different kind of a message, not expository in nature, but an admonition. And because this is a family Christmas celebration. I want to talk to parents and grandparents. I want to talk to families this morning. I want to talk about the way forward in a world that seems to be forever changed, in a world that seems to have lost its sense of direction, and in a world that is being catered to, to realign our priorities and our passions and our perspectives to a to a distinctly human form of thought, forgetting that the Savior has come, forgetting that He was the King of kings and Lord of lords, and forgetting that no matter what might happen in this world, we know, not just believe, I know that Jesus is coming again. You know, when we reflect upon the Christmas celebration Christmas is arguably the most widely celebrated of all the world's holidays, involving more people and nations than any other. But at the same time, it is perhaps the most understood of all the major holidays. We were reminded of this recently from a pastor. Works over in Binghamton with a congregation and a people that are far different than the makeup of this congregation on the hill. Do an after-school program, Pastor Scott Rollison and Grace Baptist Church, in which they decided this year, as they do every year, to teach these children who come after school for their after-school program, these neighborhood children, about the story of Christmas and the meaning of Christmas. And he found out that many of those children heard this story for the very first time. They didn't, they didn't know this was connected to the Scripture, to the birth of a Savior. They didn't know the story of Christmas, and it reminds us that the world has changed dramatically. There's great misunderstanding about Christmas and the culture at large. I fear, though, that at times there's even a great misunderstanding of the season of Christmas and its celebration in the church. And sometimes we get so caught up in doing the temporal necessities of of the celebration of a season, whether it be as a church or or as a family or or even as a Christian culture, that what becomes most pronounced and magnified are the things that we do, not the Savior, 
that we do it for. And sometimes it takes some centering on our behalf to to get back to what really matters most. The question that everybody asks at this time of year, what did you get for Christmas, is really not the question that we should be asking. We should be looking around and asking and inquiring, what is this all about? Why are so many people compelled to celebrate this holiday? Why is it celebrated across the world and cultures and ethnicities and Well, there's an answer for that, and it's an answer filled with deep doctrine and even complex theology, but it's an answer that is as simple as the announcement to the angels in Luke chapter 2, for unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So as parents and grandparents and adults and this family of God gathered at First Baptist, and as parents and grandparents aunts and uncles, extended family that is looking for something to do for their children in this time of year, I want to recommend some things based upon observations in Scripture and teachings in the New Testament. And I want to remind you that you have an amazing opportunity this season to sit down with your children and your grandchildren and explain to them the real meaning of some of the words that they sang for us this morning, to give clarification and to answer questions about this season of Christmas, to to impact their their lives, not just on a temporal basis, but but on an eternal basis as well. And based upon that, I would recommend a, a number of different gifts that you could give to your children in this season of Christmas. Be so bold as to say our Our generations today, particularly the younger generations and on, are in desperate need of some of these gifts. So regardless of what's under the tree, perhaps you can give some consideration to this as a family and how this plays out in your family on Saturday. Well, after all, it's the family that's responsible for the discipleship of the children. We'll come alongside of you. We'll try and help you, but you're ultimately responsible. So here's some things perhaps you ought to give some consideration to in this season of Christmas and the gifts that you provide to your children and to your family. I suspect for all of us, the gift of perspective is probably an important gift at this time of year. Perspective is simply how you see things, the the view that you take of things. And for the church to be different, the church needs to deal with this celebration differently. For the church to be separate, the church needs to articulate the reason for gathering and to worship like this. And, And that involves this gift of perspective. As you listen to Sarah read that Christmas text in Luke chapter 2, just prior to that, An angel appears to Mary, speaks of her being with child of the Holy Spirit, reminded, this young teenage girl reminded that this child is the Son of God. Stop and think about that for a second. The Son of God. Mary was then reminded that her relative Elizabeth, who was barren and old of age, was going to bear a child as well. And to address the questions before they even became questions, the angel reminded Mary, oh, nothing is impossible with God. That's a perspective 
that all of us need in this season. It's a perspective that your children need. It is a perspective that, that calls us to see things from an eternal perspective, a God perspective, and not just on this temporal plane, this thing called life. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of these extra things. And listen, I'm not here to be Scrooge and say those things are bad. I'm here to tell you those things aren't best. This is a season to celebrate Christ, to to maybe refine and and change and alter our perspective a little bit and be reminded that nothing is impossible for God. And Mary, having received this, this message from an angel of the Lord, responds, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How about that for perspective? Okay. I don't understand it all. I'm overwhelmed by much of it. I have heard from the Lord, and I'm His servant. This is the way it needs to be. Talk about a healthy perspective. You know where your children gain that kind of perspective? From you as parents and from you as grandparents, and from you as aunts and uncles and extended family. And if our perspective isn't right, theirs will never be right. And when we talk about that perspective, we we see it played out in in Mary's life in the very next chapter in the words read to you by Sarah. The shepherds had arrived to worship the king, the babe in the manger. The Bible says they went and told everyone the things that they had heard on that mountainside, and the things that they had seen with their very own eyes. And then the Scripture teaches us that Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Pondered. Took front and center in her mind. It grounded her in all of her fear. It reminded her in this overwhelming period of her life that nothing was impossible with God and everything was going to be okay. Your children need that kind of perspective in a world that is spinning out of control. They'll only get that perspective if you can somehow find that perspective in your own life. And sometimes doing right and good things drowns out the best thing. So perhaps on Christmas morning, you remind them of what this is really all about. But better yet, perhaps every day in this new year coming upon us, you maintain your perspective. And you speak hope into your children's life. And you point them to eternal things and not just temporal things. And you remind them that everything's going to be Okay, I believe this generation of young people today needs some perspective. But to get it from us, and I want to encourage you as a parent and a grandparent, aunt and uncle, I want to encourage the ministry of First Baptist, if we really are serious about family ministry, gift this gift of eternal perspective to the children and young people. They have, we have opportunity to serve. We're reminded by Paul in Colossians chapter 3 that if we have been raised with Christ, and the implication is you have been, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. That's a really difficult task. And the distractions 
of today's culture, from social media to anything that you can think of, wants to rob us of this eternal perspective. But because we are His children, and at this time of year, this gift of perspective, this life of perspective is so critical in modeling the Christian faith to the coming generations. We have no greater resource in the church than our children and our young people from a temporal perspective. How are you doing with that? Statistically, people are drifting away from the church and away from truth. And then I'm wondering what happened to the kids. Well, I'm I encourage you this morning, give them the gift of perspective and remind them of the things that matter most. As I thought through this text and passage of this day and the season of the cultural implications of so much what's going on, perhaps you ought to consider as well maybe the gift of priorities. You see, when your perspective becomes appropriate, your priorities change. If you set your affection on things above, if you set your affections on eternal matters, if you set your affections upon Christ, it changes how you live. Your priorities, the things that are most important to you, change as well. You want to know where someone's heart is? By way of spiritual perspective, you can evaluate their priorities because they will live out what they really believe in their heart. And somehow our children growing up in this world are being called from all different corners of society to all different kinds of priorities, and we must ground them with an eternal perspective and, and offer to them the gift of priorities. But it's got to be it's got to be from our example and the words. We share with them. I immediately go back to reflecting on Matthew chapter 1. This time it was Joseph. An angel appears to Joseph and says, Mary is with child. And because he was a just man, he was trying to figure out, well, what what, what do I do about all of this? The angel reminds him that this child will save his people from their sins, clicking and and, and that Jewish mindset uh, of, of the Messiah and the coming of a Savior prophesied in the Old Testament. And I find it interesting as Joseph, according to the Scriptures, awoke from the dream and the vision that God had given to him. The Bible says his priorities changed. Instead of contemplating, how should I handle this? All of a sudden, based on that eternal perspective, his priorities were altered to such a degree that he did everything that the Lord commanded him. Okay, God. I'm not sure how this all works out and how this all plays out, but I get it. And now his priority was to follow through on his commitment, to not know her until they're married, until the birth of this child, and to raise this child as the Savior of the world. And I don't believe for a second he understood all the theological components and the fulfillment of prophecies that that entailed, but somehow it changed his priorities. Perspective does that, doesn't it? When you set your affections on things above, your priorities change. Are the priorities that we're living before our children and grandchildren screaming this eternal perspective? Or perhaps we have an opportunity in this season of Christmas to give that gift of priorities. You see it in the shepherds. They went from being sore afraid to running with haste 
to Bethlehem to see this child and then telling everyone after they saw the child the things that they had seen and heard and the glory of the king, their priorities changed. They left the mountainside and they, they went to see the child and they told everyone about that. We're reminded in that same gospel of Luke chapter 12 that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's an eternal perspective. The changes your priorities. Perhaps this Christmas and everything else that we do and give, none of it being bad, we can focus on that which is good and give to our children and our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews and extended family, the gift of perspective, but it's got to be lived out in your life and my life. The gift of priorities. What do they see as being important to you, and how do they know that that's important? Well, it's really a dead giveaway to what, what our perspective really is. My children will be haunted until the day I'm off this earth, and I pray longer than that. Do the right thing. Do what God's called you to do. Listen to His voice in the Scripture. I wasn't a perfect father, but they heard that over and over and over. You know why I heard it over and over again? Because I'm not a perfect father. And I pointed them to an eternal perspective, and I pointed them to the Savior, and I tried to help them understand their priorities mattered. They mattered, if indeed this is true. So in this gift of perspective and the gift of priorities that we provide for our children grows this in my opinion, most important gift, and that is the gift of passion. What does that really mean? Passion is a strong and powerful emotion, a deep, overwhelming desire, an ardent love or affection for someone or something. You see, when you talk about your perspective that defines your priorities, and you live those priorities, it becomes a passionate compulsion in your life. It becomes a part of everything that you do. It centers every decision that you make. It epitomizes Luke 12, for where your treasure is there, will your heart be also. In Matthew chapter 22, the most familiar passage of Scripture, Jesus says to those inquiring of Him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I I think that's an apt definition for passion, isn't it? Love Him with every part of your being. For this is the first and great commandment. What do your children see? What are you providing for them by way of gift, or mile marker, or remembrance in your life? Paul tells the church of Colossians, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Do it passionately. Do it out of the right perspective and make it a priority and, and, and fill it with all of your gusto. Now, listen, passion is expressed differently. Some people are very demonstrative emotionally. Some people are very somber, and, and, and they're moved in their spirit, but you can't really tell from the outside. But at the end of the day, the way we live will reflect the degree of passion that we have for the child in the manger. Where does that come from? It comes from our perspective. 
the priorities in our lives and the passion of those priorities. Paul reminds the church at Corinth, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is a gift that we can give our children by our words, but even more importantly, by our example. And I want to encourage you. That's exactly what they need in this wayward generation where confusion abounds. I was thinking about this day. I was thinking about all the chaos in the culture. I was thinking about the social agenda that is a godless agenda. Perhaps maybe the greatest gift, at least on a temporal level, be the gift of perseverance. I ask myself, who's going to be left standing after everything that's happening in our culture? As we get beat down in every way, as our beliefs are challenged in ways that they've never been challenged before, as the culture in a wholesale kind of way rejects this Judeo-Christian ethos and, and, and makes their own path, who is it that's going to remain standing in the end? Who is it? that is going to be that voice of sanity and reason. Who is it who will live out that admonition and testimony of Paul? It's not me, but Christ in me. He is is my priority. He is the one who sustains me. He is the one who keeps me. Uh, This all comes out of last week's message. He is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, and no one will pluck you from your Father's hand. What do you have to worry about? If you know the king, COVID can take your life, but they cannot take your place in heaven. Politics might might rattle your mind, but the passion of your heart tells you everything's going to be okay. And, And it keeps you, it preserves you, and you're able to persevere. I pray that in some way I've at least in some small way, given you that gift as a congregation. You've watched my life. You've watched what I've been through. My messages never change, so I have some bad days. But everything's going to be okay. Because God is on the throne. And He's ordered my days. And as a good shepherd, He will feed me and he will protect me, and even in the valley of the shadow of death. You notice he said he's not going to let you go there. He doesn't say that. He says when you're there, he'll walk with you. That's where perseverance comes from. But it's all based on perspective and priorities and passion that get you to the place where in the quietness of your heart, you can teach your children not to be afraid not to be distracted, not to be worried, not to allow their life to be controlled, but you can promise them. And your promise is only as good as the Scriptures. You can promise them that God will keep His people and everything's going to be okay. I would encourage you as families. Those are some of the things that we need to build in to our children's lives. Eternal perspective that realigns our priorities, turns into the passion that drives us through life, and this gift of perseverance keeps us 
when everything is bleak. I think of the Magi who came to visit the Savior. And they're searching all over and asking the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And they didn't give up. They kept looking, and they kept looking, and they kept looking. And then, of course, Herod tries to co-opt them, and his motives are sinister. But they pursued and, and found the Savior. I want you to know that in the midst of this perseverance, there's a, a verse of Scripture that has been precious to me throughout my whole life. And it's Paul writing to the church at Philippi about perseverance. I'm sure of this, he says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that this same Jesus, the child in the manger, is the coming King of Kings? What an amazing thing to, to connect, connect together and to understand the, the implications for all of that. God is not done with you yet. And if you can persevere in your perspective and in your priorities and in your passions, leave a legacy with your children, an example to follow. Even when we stumble and fall, and boy, will you as parents and grandparents, boy, boy will you. God is faithful to His own. He will bring to their remembrance the way you lived your life and persevered through the challenges that are so real and sometimes unthinkable. We will teach them the most important lesson of Paul's benediction in Ephesians chapter 3 as he speaks of Christ. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to this power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Don't ever forget that with God all things are possible, and when we think things are out of control, behind the scenes, He is bringing the culmination, the history of the world when it's time, he will present himself as King of kings and Lord of lords. But he's got everything under control. I pray that you persevere, not just in this season, but in your Christian life. And I'm going to close by reading a passage of Scripture found in the Gospel of John. And this Friday evening for our Christmas Eve service, we will look in John chapter 1 for our Christmas Eve message. And then the following Sunday on the 26th, we will go back to John chapter 1 and reflect upon these truths where John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, I might add my commentary, it will not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about that light that all might believe through him. He was not that light, but he came to bear witness about the light and the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, 
nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. All of our attempts at giving our children the gift of perspective, the gift of priorities, and the gift of passion, and the gift of perseverance are simply not enough to sustain us in life under the sun. It is only Jesus that can do that. He is the light of the world. Came to save his people from their sins. He's the Son of God in the womb of Mary. He's the glorious coming King of Kings, in which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The greatest gift. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is a clear testimony of the truth. This is Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. It's the gospel. You can give them an understanding of that gospel, but you cannot will them to salvation. You can't gift them that salvation. You can't make them believe. But I think that God can honor you in their lives through perspective, priorities, and passion, perseverance, as living testimonies And you can cling to this hope. We've done what we can. Now God must do what only God can do. And what is that? Again, if we go back to Matthew, he had come to save his people from their sins. Certainly, he was speaking of the nation of Israel. But let's be clear. There's not a single person here this morning that was not born in sin. Not a single person that has not personally sinned. And not a single person. Not a single person who hasn't been so affected by sin, there's a great divide between you and God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are no good people and better people and best people. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's the glory of the message, the Christmas season. From the beginning of time, God made away. And it was in this Christmas season that God revealed that way, the coming of the Messiah, the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. Why? Because mankind was horribly broken, and they couldn't fix their situation because of sin. So God sent His only begotten Son to die for your penalty and for my penalty for sin. The wage of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. I told you at the beginning of the service, I'm a disciple of Christ. It wasn't by the will of the flesh. (laughs) It was by the will of God in Christ Jesus where he reached down and rescued my soul. I'm a child of the King because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes all things new. If it wasn't for that gospel, I would still be dead man walking, waiting to be accountable to a holy and righteous God. We must tell our children that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wage of sin is death. But here's the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it entails everything from the beginning of God's plan, culminating in the return of the Savior and the new heaven and the new earth. 
but it's focused upon Christ, His work, and His atonement. Christ died for your sins according to the Scripture. He was buried and raised again the third day according to the Scripture, and everybody has to make a choice. God is a huge, huge part of that choice. The gospel alone saves. The gospel alone defines our perspective. The gospel alone give, gives oomph, if you would, to our priorities. The gospel of Christ is, is the very essence of our passion. The gospel of Christ is the only thing that sustains us when everything around us is shaking. I'm reminded of the psalm writer. Though the, sh- the mountains shake and fall into the midst of the sea, be still and know that I am God. There's a place for everyone respond to the message of the gospel, to understand your sin, to realize that God has made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, and to find forgiveness and hope and promise. But it is in Christ alone. Again, John reminds us, but as many as believed, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. If nothing else, offer to your children the gift of the gospel. Tell them what Christmas is really all about. Focus and center upon that in a world that has no centering today. And then pray. I'd love to soothe the breaking hearts of parents and grandparents who know wayward children and grandchildren. I can't. But God knows. He wants you to cry out in prayer with passion for the salvation of your children and your grandchildren. He's provided you with a story so that you could tell them plainly, this is what it's really all about. You must confront them with their sin. They must confess and repent of that sin. Somehow we must live the gospel in front of them that as they grow, they can have an eternal perspective. The priorities will reflect the hope that they have in Christ. It will stir this passion for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But the gospel will keep them all the way home until they see him face to face. In the midst of all this stuff, that's what our kids need. May we be faithful. May God in His faithfulness do what only He can do. But as His people, may we spend all of our life and breath celebrating Christ. For there is no life outside of Christ. Those are the gifts of Christmas that matter most and will sustain your children. They sang about it this morning. You go home and tell them about it today. Even better, tell them your story. Tell them what happened in your life. Tell them why you are the way you are. And let God do what only God can do. May you be blessed this Christmas season. May your families be blessed this Christmas season. Instead of what did you get for Christmas, may the words on our mouth be, do you know about the Savior? Let me tell you about that. Father, bless us as the message goes forward. 
Remind us as your children that everything's going to be okay. Teach us to live in such a manner that we pass on this gift of perspective and priorities, passion, perseverance. Don't let us ever stray from the story, the good news, the gospel, that it's all about Christ. May that be the story of our life. May that be the testimony of our lips. May that be the center of our celebration as families we gather together to celebrate Christ. And may you be honored and glorified in all of it. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.